0: Welcome to the CX Pod Europe from T Tech. Welcome to the CX Pod Europe from T Tech, your CX podcast providing thought leadership and executive insight on customer issues. My name is Mark Hillary, and I'm a writer and analyst focused on CX and technology. In this episode, I will be speaking to Maya Knights about retail in the post pandemic business environment. Maya is one of the best known retail analysts based in the UK. She's written best-selling books about omnichannel retail and the future of Amazon. And she's director and publisher of Retail Technology, possibly the first dedicated retail technology trade journal in the UK. Now, if that's not enough, Maya's also the global content strategist for POC, which is a platform that enables retailers to build apps extremely quickly. In this episode, Maya talks about a retail recovery, e-commerce, and the growth of direct to consumer brands. Let's go straight to the interview. Okay, Maya, thanks for coming on the podcast. Um, Now, We've spoken before about um, this move towards self-service and low-touch environments because of the pandemic. But does this mean that retailers are going to increase and focus on mobile and apps that, that support an in-store experience as well as, traditionally, they're obviously being used for online experiences? So, so you know, how would that affect the in-store service? And what, what do you think is going to change there?
1: Yeah, I think we've definitely seen... Low and no-touch environments rise in terms of priorities for consumers when they're going shopping in physical stores. They are much more willing to self-serve either via um, devices that the retailer provides, um, and that can be handheld devices or self-checkouts, for example, or via their own mobile devices with scan and pay technologies. So, we've seen that a real uptick and I think a good way of tracking that is against the amount of contactless payments that we've seen um, uh, increase um, over the last 12 months. We've also um, really seen a huge uptick in the amount of retailers rolling out things like Bopis, um, buy online, pick up in store, curbside, or click and collect, depending on what part of the world you're in that you call it. So I think we've seen a huge increase in demand for these types of services in stores that retailers have had to meet. Um and so we've had to see a lot of investment in supporting technologies. So that's the mobile apps, the handheld devices, the self checkout stations, as um, potentially Wi-Fi as well, secure public Wi-Fi, um, and and also just in terms of the pre-sales uh, process or shopping journey, we've also seen an increase in people counting systems, traffic and uh, traffic light queuing systems that. Retailers try to expose the amount of people going into the store to the consumer via an app before they might visit, for example, and finally, appointment booking systems we 've seen uh, a real increase in investment from retailers on that, and they are reporting that when consumers book in advance to get a personal consultation that they're actually coming in better informed they're converting at a higher rate, and their basket sizes are larger. Um, oh last one would be. Um, live streaming and uh, using your store assistants to deliver
0: customer service by, um, by using sort of live chat and live streaming from the store. Yeah, that's interesting because we can see, especially in fashion, there's some brands like Next that have really embraced this idea of the stores supporting the online offer. Um, you know, things like in-store pickup and returns and, and using the stores to showcase new products. And H&M is, is kind of going down that path now as well. But we see other brands in the same sector, like Primark, really doubling down on a store-only policy. Um, you know, is there a sort of right or wrong model here, or, or can everyone play in a different sort of niche?
1: I think in the immediate future, everyone can play in a different niche. I think the likes of store-only or online-only retailers are exploiting the long tail. In consumers, in terms of in consumer trends, in terms of those that are going to be last to switch to shopping partially online for the primates of this world, um, or those that completely you know, have now made, seen some online gains because people are more likely to shop online if they're online only. But I actually think if, if I'm to be true to the, the ethos, the, 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 the ideas that, that, that I promote, every retailer ultimately will have to be omnichannel. Every retailer will ultimately have to have a seamless, uh, offering that spans both physical and the digital because that's essentially what consumers expect. But I would say, the likes of Primark store only retailers really need to be looking at how to sell profitably online. And it's not just fashion retailers. You've got the Schwarz group, um, the Liddles and the Aldis of this world investing billions in how they can fulfill groceries at a discount or the discount model to us online. It's, it's a, it's a nut they really need to crack. And I think if you're online only, you also need to start thinking about how you're going to um, extend your presence and make more of the gains that you've seen over the last 12 months with some kind of physical capability as well.
0: Yeah, and it seems that the department store model is like the complete opposite of the, the omni-channel model that that you were just talking about. Um I, I mean, are, are we moving beyond this idea of a, a big department store as a retail anchor for for other smaller stores? And and if if that's the case, then what does it mean for the shopping malls?
1: Well, I think shopping malls are at the sharp end of the the the, the problems that retailers are facing at the moment. I think we're going to see a lot more diversified use of retail space. Um, and I think anything that increases dwell time in terms of, you know, hospitality and dining, leisure, um, leisure time is going to be much, is going to become much more important to retailers in terms of partnering with people that can help fill those gaps those physical spaces in malls and in in, in larger store formats. Um, But I also think it's going to be really, really important. What we're seeing department stores do is also kind of double down on what they already do, which is be a showcase for the best brands. Interestingly, I think we're seeing a lot of larger tier one retailers all over the world, the Kroger's, the Walmart's of this world sort of, Aping Amazon and becoming marketplaces and trying to become a one stop destination for many, many brands, which is really the, the, the equivalent department store model. So I don't think department stores have disappeared, but they, like all other retailers have to diversify and keep pace from a physical standpoint in terms of what the role of the store, um, has to, has to play in the customer journey nowadays.
0: Yeah, that's interesting to think of a department store as maybe like a, a physical platform system. Uh, and, of course, one of the biggest platforms is Amazon uh, that you, you've written about extensively. I know you even wrote a book about Amazon. Um, and Amazon has now opened a store in London. And I keep seeing my friends uh, posting on Facebook and Instagram uh, about visiting because it's in Ealing, which is you know where I, I came from in London. Um and they keep saying they feel as if they're stealing something because they can literally walk in, pick something up, even put it in their pocket and walk out. Um, and I suppose the point is that we're used to all those points of friction in in-store retail, like having to select your products, having to line up and pay for it. And what Amazon has really done there is, is just removed all the friction. Um, are, they, are they really shining a light on what is possible to change with in-store retail there?
1: I think you're absolutely right they are shining a huge light and I think retailers don't uh, to borrow from Jeff Bezos's sort of first letter shareholder letter from day 1 of Amazon when it was founded in 1995 you know consumers don't necessarily know what they want until you show them they don't know what needs to be disrupted until they can see it being disrupted and I think particularly from a European And UK standpoint, retailers really have to face the fact that there is a bit of a reckoning with the fresh stores arriving on our shores over here, that when consumers see the art of the possible, they don't go back. I mean, we could say the same about Black Friday and Cyber Monday you know you can't put that genie back in the bottle once they see what's possible it suddenly makes every other retailer's customer, equivalent retailers competitive retailers customer experience seem really quite poor and friction filled by comparison um so i think it 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 does sound a bit of a an alarm bell um, and get, start the clock ticking on retailers. Although I think a lot of retailers have, you know, been very, very slow to move anyway. And so we'll just see. I think they're trying to tread a very, very fine line between trying to out innovate the likes of Amazon because that's possibly too expensive, too costly for them, whilst being fast followers um, and offering just in taking just enough friction out of the journey to compete, but not competing head on by by being able to say, offer something like the just walk out experience. And incidentally, to my point about it starting the clock ticking or the firing gun, as it were, on, you know, Expectations being raised even higher by Amazon through this customer experience. They've now rolled out three of these stores. I think the first one opened two months ago and there's now three. And Amazon's also just launched a hair salon of <laughs> all bizarre things in Spitalfields in the UK, where, you know, there's gesture recognition to show um, more information about merchandising. There's AR technology to be able to, um, uh, try on different hairstyles and different hair colors. Uh, it's open, open only to amazon uh, Amazon employees at, at the moment but it will be open to customers soon and again you know every single time something like this hits the headlines it just moves the dial a little bit further in terms of what consumers are starting to expect especially when we've all been living and shopping online
0: for the last 14 months. Yeah. And that's a good point about the consumer expectations, because I think that if we talk about customer relationship management or or customer service traditionally in retail, that really meant complaints about a product or return, managing returns. Um, but do you think that now we're seeing customers expecting more of a relationship with the brands that they like? You know, they they will, they will engage before a purchase and maybe during a purchase and, and then they maintain a relationship long after they've made a purchase.
1: I think nothing actually that you've described there has changed from what went before. Consumers will always do a bit of research. Um, it's just now that the the ability to, as you say, engage with the retailer directly, um, or to compare the retailer's offerings against other retailers, by product, whatever it might be, you know, all of that is so much more accessible. It's at our fingertips whilst we're sat on our sofas at home. So we are seeing retailers saying, Consumers are coming in better informed than their own staff are, because they have more inf- information available to them in the palms of their hands via mobile devices, and that's really what retailers need to need to address: the fact that consumers now control the customer relationship; they shape the journey um, to to suit themselves. And I think what they're looking for is a, is a retailer that is flexible enough to meet those demands, to meet those expectations, to. Enable them to um, go into store to try something on, but then have it delivered to their home or go online to try to, to, to look for something and then maybe book an appointment to go in and try it on. The pre sales and after sales processes. Um, steps in a consumer journey are becoming almost as important as the transactional part. Stores have been far too transactionally focused in the past. So they have a role to play in that pre and after sales capability as well uh, as well as digital. Um, And be making it easy for customers in that sense. That's what they're looking for. That's why I think they they don't see any distinction between a retailer um, being online or in or, or, or having a physical store. They kind of expect you to have both. They kind of expect you to be able to offer all of these permutations um, as easily and as flexibly as 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 the big competitors we just spoken about,
0: like Amazon. Yeah, and you mentioned there about having the information at your fingertips. And something that was popular a few years ago was community management. You know, so instead of direct kind of customer service, you would connect different customers to each other within a community. And that seemed to, to die off for a while. But but do you think that, that that's something that may well make a comeback now? We 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 start to see retail brands, I mean especially within fashion for example, kind of building a a community of fans rather than just customers.
1: I think, yes, the two best brand advocates retailers can have, their own people, particularly their store staff, um, but also their customers, They're worth, their weight in gold, cultivating them, understanding them, knowing who your best customers are has to be an absolute priority for any type of retailer nowadays, especially because it helps cut the costs of going out and finding more like them. Um, it helps cuts the, cut the costs of, Running your business to serve them better. Um, that has to be the, the ultimate aim of this digital explosion and the data that, that, that comes with it. But I also think building on your last question, consumers don't just want retailers to make it easy for them. They want to make it easy for them to find what they're looking for quickly, for example. So in that sense, the, the aspect of merchant curation becomes more important. Being able to curate a really suitable range at a price point that's perfect for them is actually a way of localizing and personalizing the experience so they actually see a retailer that is working for them. And I think the point that you made about community is part of that, using your customers as, the, as your best brand advocates, providing a place for community and identifying the purpose that the retail brand serves and, 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 and using the community um, to facilitate that is, is becoming so, so important. And it's becoming easier to do as well from a digital standpoint. So I can so totally see why retailers are, are focusing on this more again
0: and then will the the sort of in-store automation that you mentioned right at the beginning of the conversation um and this kind of more informed consumer um that that you were just talking about i mean will that mean that the the in-store employees have um a requirement to have a much greater knowledge i mean they're not just there stacking shelves or something they they really need to understand the brand and the products in the same the same way that when you walk into an apple store you know you know that any of those guys or girls in there wearing the Apple T-shirt are really going to know the product inside out?
1: Well, I think it's a testament to the fact that, what, the first Apple store opened 15 years ago, that we're still holding it up as the apex example of what customer service should be like. Check me out anywhere. Give me informed, enthusiastic people that really represent the brand and are your best brand advocates. I would really hope to your point, Mark, that this the, lo- the amount of change that we've seen, the acceleration of the trends that we've seen leading to these changes are going to encourage retailers to really redouble their efforts at digitally enabling their stores. And in doing so, they will free their store staff from those labor-intensive, manually repetitive jobs that have seen retail store Staff pretty much devalued in the sense that they're seen as low skilled, seasonal, slightly disposable workers. I think if we take the barcode scanning gun away from them and the belt printer for labels away from them and give them a mobile device that they can access the same amount of information and more services and more information about us, if we so choose to help us in our shopping journey, will not only be... Starting to get to the level of the the Apple temple retail experience, but we'll, we'll also be really improving the the career prospects of, of the, 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 the retail industry um, employees who have done such a sterling job being on the front line the last few few months as well, it has to be said.
0: Yeah, and one of the um, big changes or trends that came out, uh, like specifically from the pandemic, was brands that, that you might not have expected to see embracing direct-to-consumer sales actually going ahead and doing it. Um, so companies like Kraft Heinz uh, sending Baked beans out directly to your door, and Carlsberg um, allowing you to order beer from an app. Um, so all of these kind of things um, offer a simpler way to get the products, and it entirely bypasses the retailer. So is is that something that that retailers need to be concerned about? I mean, when companies the size of Unilever start doing this.
1: Absolutely. I think it's, it's a testament to the fact that Unilever feels that it can get its products to its customers in a much more controlled and potentially faster way than traditional routes through intermediaries such as retailers. Um, I think it's, it, it, it exposes the issues that retailers have had to deal with during the pandemic in terms of issues with their supply chain. Um, you know, the amount of time that stock, uh, is, is, it takes for them to move stock from warehouse to store and get, get it to customers. Being able to open up enough delivery slots or click and collect slots or curbside pickup, for example, has been a major issue. So, particularly, um, CPG, FMCG manufacturers, you can see why they've thought, well, hold on a second. If my stock sitting in a warehouse, Somewhere why can 't I take the reins and see if I can get it to consumers much much more quickly? I think we 've seen huge amounts of innovation at both ends of the scale you know we 've seen local independent pubs and restaurants start to become grocery hubs for um, for click and collect uh, pickup, but at the same time we 've seen that as you say, the likes of unilever and p g packaging snack boxes direct the consumer, but we've also seen grocers go quite big in on their sort of their boxed basics as well. Anything to mitigate, I suppose, the impacts on the supply chains that the last 12 months have had, I think that's really what's what's driven them to this. And what I actually heard recently was one um, manufacturer say the two biggest things that they're focusing on for the next 18 months are digital and direct to consumers. So I think it's just adding to the pressure that retailers um, are having to face in terms of right-sizing um, and uprating their own um, operations and processes to meet the, the new demands that we're dealing with that we're seeing.
0: And that may well um, lead us directly into the sort of final question where I just wanted to wrap up and, and ask, is there anything that retailers cannot ignore you know because of this experience over the last year? Is, it, are there some changes that, that really have to be sort of taken on board and um, it, you know we can't just have an expectation that we're going to go back to 2019, for example.
1: No, we can't. Certainly, can't have that expectation. I think the baseline has been reset. Um, twenty twenty analyst consensus estimates put online growth, ecom growth, at about twenty eight percent, but global retail sales actually declined three percent. So, hopefully, we'll see some modest growth in twenty twenty one overall, um, and we won't see quite as big uh, a bump for ecom but as i said the baseline resets to where ecom will probably still grow 10-15% and have penetrated total online retail far further than it than it had um going into the pandemic, I think quite a few analysts have said we've come five years in the space of 12 months or seven years in the space of 12 months. I don't think that's going to be reset. I think that puts pressure on retailers to, as I said, right-size their commercial models, make sure that their uh, channels, their consumer-facing channels um, are fit for purpose um, in the sense that they they operate – in a seamless and into fully integrated way for the consumer. I think that's going to put extra pressure on stores um, to redefine their role. I think if there's anything irrefutably you can point to is who have been the winners and who have been the losers, much as we, you know, might not want to have to think about that as a situation, but the winners have been those that have been digitally enabled and data driven. And the bottom line has to be, how can I digitally enable every single customer touch point so that I can know who my best customers are, track their, their customer, their shopping journeys and facilitate them to be even more seamless, even more convenient, even more informed than they were before? Um, look at my stores. How can I? improve the role of my stores to to serve that same purpose as well doing all of this with a view to doing it as profitably as possible so um there are some definite things that we can point to that have changed forever that were changing and i think have now changed forever that retailers were already dealing with but now really have to double down on
0: Thanks to Maya Nights for those retail insights. Now that's all we have time for today. If you want to stay up to date with the most current news and trends in customer strategy, then subscribe to the T-Tech Customer Strategist Journal publication. It's available both in print and online. Just go to ttech.com slash customer dash strategist and subscribe today. So goodbye and thanks for listening. We hope to see you again for the next episode of the CX Pod Europe from T-Tech.